First of all, you're all done. The Coyote family don't even have that kind of muscle anymore. The Godfather is sick, right? You're getting chased out of New York by Bazzini and the other families. What do you think is going on here? You think you can come to my hotel and take over? After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. And your hosts are fast that I inform you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast that looks at movies in a franchise one film at a time. The theme song you just heard is written and performed by Mark with a C. Check out his music at markwithac.com. And we're a proud member of the Battleship Retention podcast fleet. Check out other great film and TV podcasts at battleshipretention.com. So uh, we're starting a new series of films here. It's uh, We kind of had listeners vote at the last second if you heard our last week's show on Naked Gun 33 and a third. And the one that won by a landslide uh, was The Godfather. Uh, compared to the instead of we're going between godfather and matrix at the last second and people picked godfather so that's what we're doing this episode we're looking at the first film the godfather directed by francis ford coppola with music uh by nino rota and carmine coppola based on the novel the godfather by mario puzo starring marlon brando al pacino james Kahn, diane keaton and many more uh this came out in 1972 uh, we haven't done a movie, I think, uh, this old on sequel cast since, um, gee, the the Jack Nicholson one, right? Oh, uh, you mean Chinatown? Chinatown, yeah. Hi, I'm your co-host, Thrasher. Oh, sorry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> for, for, the, for those of you who are wondering what this phantom was that just wandered into the podcast, that, that's who I am. You don't have a ghost of a chance. Um, so, yeah, Godfather. I mean, you think you think you think of classic movies, and we don't typically do what are what film majors would call classics uh, on the sequel cast. The, I, I think the one time we did, uh, we saw some severe diminishing returns. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite curious to see what the numbers will be for the Godfather uh, episodes. But right, so um, yeah, Godfather. I I never have had a chance to see this in the theater. Um, when it was in high school, they re-released it in the theater because it was some, oh, I don't know, like 25th anniversary or something. But um, I would love to see this in the theater. Yeah, I think it would play a bit. I think the movie is very good, but I think in a theater it would take on a, a whole new level with these iconic images blown up on the on the screen. Because um, the, the cinematography uh, by Gordon Willis, who has done so many films, uh, they would, as a joke, they would call him the Prince of Darkness. Because it's very dimly lit on purpose, and they use like a special film stock where things are like barely illuminated. And at home, if you don't have your brightness settings quite right in certain scenes, it's like you're just staring at a black screen almost. Mm. Did you notice yeah, that with the lighting on this film? A, a a bit, but I kind of have a sensitive eye and have mm. the our, our I'll call it the media room. Our our media room. I've kind of like. I've made all these little sort of nitpicky adjustments to make an optimal movie watching experience. So thankfully, uh, nothing there was nothing too bad happened with the contrast. So when you saw this film, was it on videotape for the first time, like with me, or on TV, or uh, it would have been uh, it would uh, the first time the first time I saw it. Yeah, it would have been it would have been on uh, cable television. Thankfully, not edited uh, for time or content. 
You know, this film is rated R, and by today's standards, I, I guess it's violent, and they certainly say fuck a few times. I don't know. I guess it would still get an R today. It probably, well, it, it probably would still get an R, but it would also be one of those movies the studio would try to tone down to PG-13 every step of the way. I think the violence in this film would probably be PG-13 by today's standards. Quite, quite possibly. I mean, they didn't bleed as much when people got shot in movies back then. Um, and at the time, you know, the scene where, where Sonny gets killed, and we'll talk about that later, it was, it was considered extremely violent. Um, oh, but you used you used the phrase "iconic" uh, earlier, and that's uh, th- that's something you know that I, I wanted to to talk about. The Godfather is a movie that has been parodied, referenced, and and outright plagiarized so many times. It, it, it's it's one of those movies uh, where. You even if you've never seen the movie, you probably think you have because you've seen every every little slice of it show up in some other some other work. I mean, not not only are there multiple parody films that that focus on the Godfather. I'm thinking of particular. Uh, there's even a scene in Robin Hood Men in Tights, which for no good reason is Dom. DeLuise oh, with Dom DeLuise doing as, his uh, Marlon Brando uh, impersonation. Marlon Brando himself did a film called The the Freshman, I believe, where he essentially played Don Carleone in a comedy starring Matthew Broderick. There is, uh, what, there's a, the Zucker film, uh, Jane Austen's Mafia, starring Jay Moore. Yeah, and, and it's been referenced many, many times on The Simpsons. There's actually, if you listen to any of the uh, audio commentaries for uh, Simpsons Season 10 and beyond on those DVDs, there's a running gag with the writers and directors on that show that if you took every Godfather reference from The Simpsons, you could edit it together into a perfect reconstruction of the film. I bet you there's someone that has done that on YouTube, if you look I around. Uh, but that'd be quite funny to see. But you're right. I mean... This film is iconic. Um, last year, I actually took some time and read the novel The Godfather, Very which, cool. which came out three years before the movie. And, you know, the the novel is, is pretty close. I think the novel is a bit harsher. I, I read an interesting um, article by uh, the the author and co-screenwriter Mario Puzo uh, complaining that Francis Ford Coppola softened the characters from the novel significantly for the film. Uh, I, I think the people in the film are still pretty uh, reprehensible for the most part. But, I mean, in... Uh, the film has a whole vagina subplot, or the book has a vagina subplot. Uh, the, the the vagina goes out to get revenge for a mob hit. Yeah, it it uh, it, it it muffed him an offer he couldn't refuse. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what did it? So you know, there's a character in this film, and, and I, I do want to say, if you like this movie, it's worth your time reading the book. I mean, the first chapter of the book goes into great detail the backstory of the guy that is uh, going to the Godfather begging to get uh, vengeance on the these guys that um, raped and severely beat his daughter. Mm. Uh, and it goes into detail with the court case and what the police did. And it's really quite interesting. And also all the Godfather 2 stuff, that's the flashback with young Vito Corleone, uh, that's also from that original Godfather book. So, uh, but a- anyway, uh, the vagina subplot from the Godfather novel is, you know, there's a guy that's the entertainer where the Godfather oh, yeah. slaps him and says, act like a mom, Diamond, you're going to act like a mom. Uh, I don't know. That, that I don't think that Brando's that good. It, it's such a hard imitation to do. Everyone tries. I want to tell you to act like a man. I want to tell you to act like a mom, Johnny. You, you, sound, like you sound more like David Brenner. Who's that? 
D- David Brenner was a stand-up comedian. He guest hosted the Tonight Show during the Carson era several times. Passed okay. away recently. Uh, interesting. I-, I will stop doing my um, poor, poor Brando <laughs> impersonation for the listener's sake, if not for your own thrasher. Uh, so there's the entertainer guy who was modeled uh, pretty significantly after Frank Sinatra, and for legal reasons, his character could not be that big in the film. Um, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> and in the the book, uh, there is a big plot how he has all these mistresses in Las Vegas and cheats on his wife, and his wife is really concerned and wants him to spend, spend time with him. So she goes to a plastic surgeon and gets a, a procedure that gets like literally two chapters in the book of a, uh, um, how do you say, a, a tightening of the vaginal walls. I think isn't isn't it isn't it like a, a it's it's like a, a uterine tuck or a labial tuck I think exactly is the yes name of the procedure. exactly what it is and um, it, it's a bizarre segment in the book I can see why it's not in the movie and it's almost like the book is giving this as advice to the reader hey you might want to recommend your wife uh, gets this it feels good for the wife it feels better for the husband <laughs> like it's very strange it's a very strange. Uh, uh, offset and you know like a lot of old novels it, it has chapters but it's also divided inside as book one book two and so forth the the vaginal reconstruction surgery is like a whole book in the godfather novel is a whole major section in the novel um uh, oh and by the way the, the entertainer is johnny fontaine johnny fontaine of course of course so the Godfather films, I think by modern standards, the, the pacing might be considered slow. And I, uh, on Twitter, I was, was talking to some of our listeners, and I said I thought the, uh, the plot was complicated, and I had some people disagree with me. Well, what well, what makes well, I I I will say you could call it slow. However, I think this is a movie that takes its time and and I guess for lack of a better metaphor, paints a picture. But what 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 did you mean by complicated? Uh, a lot happens in this movie. Now, it's fairly linear. It's not like Godfather 2 where it hopscotches all over the place with the past and the present, and it's not trying to make thematic ties. But, uh, I mean, I, I watch this film now, and I really think about a, a recent video game I enjoyed, Grand Theft Auto Five. In any of those Grand Theft Auto games, any mission you go on uh, structurally is modeled after stuff you see in The Godfather. I mean, if you break down this movie's structure... What is it but several missions? The Godfather sends the family or, or the, the you know the thugs and, and the ranks of the, the mafia out to do. But I, I think the, the complication is, and you kind of it makes more sense the more you watch the film, is you have like the five families, and it's a battle of the five families, where one's trying to outdo the other. Like if um, it's like the it's like the the Atreides and the Harkonnens, I think. <laughs> Sort of. I mean, because, yeah, Spice was a drug, right, in Dune? And, I mean, it, it's all about had in the in the negotiations with the, what, Salazzo, is it? Uh, and, Salozo. Uh, Salozo and, uh, and and Tom Hagen, right, the, the, the attorney. For the, Actually, no, I think it is pronounced Salazzo now that I think about it. Salazzo, right. So Salazzo and, uh, and the Corleone family. And the thing is, you know, all the rest of the the, the mafia families – the gains, if you will, want to get involved in, in selling. All are involved in selling drugs and want the uh, the Corleones to join in on that, and, and they each take a piece of each other's pie. And uh, Vito Corleone says, "Well, you know, I don't have anything against dealing dr- selling drugs myself, but I have a lot of um, a lot of friends in high places in politics, and they would look 
down poorly upon me if I sold drugs. So in deference, out of respect to them, I'm not going to do it. And basically, Salazzo says, fuck you. Well, it's not it's not just that. I mean, they, they do imply that Vito has has a, a distrust of of drug dealers or or, dis, or, or sort of disapproves of, of the trade because, you know, you, you are effectively peddling poison at that point. Uh, right. He mentions like uh, he doesn't want kids taking it. Yeah, I mean, he does like, you know, Vito, like most of the characters in this film, you know, he he is a criminal. He is a killer. He He's a, a, a man that's willing to do some truly reprehensible things for his business. But he does have lines he doesn't want to cross and he does have a, a code of honor. And I, th- I think that's one of the things that keeps this movie very watchable. You're not just watching terrible people doing terrible things. You're You're, you're seeing people who do have a certain sense of honor and, and propriety about what they're doing. And it's amazing to see a very young Al Pacino in this uh, deliver what is really a very subtle performance compared to modern day. You might compare him to the histrionics of Nicolas Cage where Al Pacino, the big joke uh, from the cartoon The Critic, is every other line is, Hoo-ha! I'm a gangsta. I'm going to sleep with the fishes. Hoo-ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Now to drive while I cannot see. Um but I'm I'm actually glad you brought that up because I mean this is I mean this is you know the early '70s. This is still when Pacino. Yeah. You know, this is still right. you know the Taxi Driver Pacino, the Dog Day Afternoon Pacino. Uh, taxi Driver gets... was De Niro, but oh well, sorry about that. Well, Dog Day Afternoon, right? Yeah. Yeah, but Dog Day Afternoon, where you know uh, it's it's uh, something something uh, kind of subtle. Let's... Sure. And uh, I mean Robert Duvall as well. He was was, I guess. You know, fairly younger at, at the time, and he, he he's very good. I mean, he's he's really sort of the the oddball out in the family, in that he's not part of the family proper, but he was basically adopted and raised like a son because he was found uh, on the streets. And he's not pure; he's not Italian. He's uh, Irish. Oh yeah, Tom Hagen. And uh, I felt bad for him at the end of this movie. Well, he's been through some hell. <laughs> He has been through some hell, but at the end, they're basically uh, after... I know we're jumping around the plot, but this is a classic. If you haven't seen The Godfather, please stop this show. Yeah, what the uh, fuck are you doing yeah, listening to us? What the, what the fuck are you doing listening to us? Uh, no, I'm going to stop again. It just, just gets worse and worse each <laughs> no, just, time. I... Just make it your David Brenner uh, impress. Right. Um, Did you see this thing in the news? Did you hear about this? What's the deal with all these gangsters? They have their guns and they want to eat the cannoli. Well, if they want cannoli so bad, why don't they just sit at home and eat cannoli? You don't need the guns. Uh, Matt, Matt, you're you're giving them an impersonation they cannot stand. That could describe all of sequel cast, actually. Yeah, I guess it could. <laughs> although we we still haven't sunk to the horrible, horrible depths of the two Jakes, and hopefully we never will again. That, that is easily our worst, and uh, coincidentally. Maybe not at uh, least a downloaded episode. So, so hey, download. so bad it's good, crew. Get on downloading that episode. Check it out at sequelcast.com. Um, yeah, back to the, the Godfather. Uh, towards the end of the film, the, the Godfather, he's been shot several times. He's in poor health. Um, he, he rediscovers his love of oranges. Right, and sticking them in his mouth. Uh, Al, Al Pacino is, as, as Michael... At first, he's very reluctant to be involved in the family at all, and then he sort of mans up and 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 does his familial duties, and, and that's a whole big separate story in the film. 
and uh, towards the end, you know, he's he's talking with his father, and he has to, he's trying to get stuff in into shape, and he basically tells Tom Hagen, you know, you will be our um, our attorney consigliere in Las Vegas, but we don't want you here. I, I'll I'll have the I'll have um, the Godfather himself as my consigliere here. No offense, and the look on Robert Duvall's face. The, the performance there's just not much dialogue but it's priceless he's really hurt you said what I, i've been the conciliary you know for for basically all my career i got i got paid to go to law school and all this stuff why are you doing me the disrespect to move me out of new york and uh you you feel bad for him but at, at the same time it was and it, it's a it's a double-edged sword because michael says oh and the uh and Vito agreed to it was Vito's idea you know the very the Godfather, the very man that took you in when you were a child, a homeless child, into our family, is the one that is, in a way, rejecting you and sending you off to Las Vegas and not in with the rest of the family. Well, well, I think there because there are there are you know two things you know going on. Like you know he he is hurt because he's he's being sent away from from his family. You know, regardless of you know whether or not he's adopted. I mean, we know he's adopted, but this is his family. Yeah. Uh, but on the on the other side, a lot of it kind of depends on how you look at it. Because by being by being sent to Vegas, he's being removed from all that conflict that's going on with the rest of the Corleone. So in a sense, he's being protected just because of that. Exactly, distance. exactly. And so you know, e- even then, you know, uh, the Godfather th- through this action is performing a very paternal, very protective, very loving act. It's a subtle, it's a subtlety and a complication and sort of a complicated emotional thing that you just don't see in movies about crime and criminals. Right. Um, I mean, I'm really surprised they have not remade The Godfather. I'm thankful they haven't. I, I guess as close as we came was that video game uh, from the, that uh, came out in the the uh, generation before last. We can talk about that briefly. I, I've, I, I've a, I almost beat that game. I got very very far in it. It's sort of a knockoff of The Godfather, but set during the time period of the first movie. And I think the interesting thing is the main narrative is you play as kind of a, a gopher guy for the Corleones. Hmm. So and they introduce a new character for the purpose of the game. They introduce a new character who, who doesn't speak very much. But, for instance, an early mission in the game is you fly out to Hollywood and you have to cut the head off the horse. And oh, put it in yeah. The, and, and put it in the guy's bed. Uh, you have to... A lot of it's you you driving around, of course. You have to drive Michael to the dock so he can flee off to Italy after he kills the cops. Um, You have to uh, go and and rescue uh, Tom Hagen when he's captured by Salazzo. You know, you you mentioned that that you're that you play the guy who ends up cutting off the horse's head. I'm just imagining, you know, you go to the you go to the horse, you cut off its head, and then you just get one of those those animations where he picks up the horse's head, moves it in the general direction of his coat, and the horse head dis- disappears. A little dialogue box shows up that says, "You got horse head." Uh, you and then when it comes, yeah. And then when it comes time to put it on the bed, you go up to the bed, and he kind of waves his hand close to his chest, and the horse head appears in it. <laughs> Your guy carries around a, a bloody sack with the horse head. To be fair, I, I think they okay. That's cool. Although the mission's a stealth mission, was that that kind of blows? Well, I mean, it makes sense in context. And it's like, oh, you got to be quiet. Don't wake people up. It's at night. You can, actually, let's let's talk about the hor- the, the infamous horse head scene. Of course, and, uh, and that's the with the business at the beginning we were mentioning earlier with the uh, 
with yeah Johnny Fontaine, Johnny Fontaine wants a part wants a part in a movie, yep. but the producer for the movie doesn't. So and, right, and I think his his reasons for not wanting Johnny Fontaine in the movie uh, are, are very personal. You know, the the producer guy had had a starlet that he raised uh, through the studio system for five years, and uh, she threw it all all away to sleep uh, to be a, one of Johnny Fontaine's uh, floozies. Yeah, but but about but about the and so that but this you know to 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 really to intimidate the guy into putting Johnny Fontaine in the movie, somebody cut. He has this this prize racehorse. He's thinking about putting out to stud. That you know it's just like it's it's his hobby. It's the thing he loves more than anything else in the world. They cut the horse's head off and put it in his bed, to sh- the head in the in his bed to just show how far they're willing to go to get Johnny Fontaine in the in this movie, and just right off the bat. How much of a sound sleeper do you have to be <laughs> to sleep through somebody coming into your bedroom and putting a bloody horse head in in your bed? Well, he was sleeping on silk sheets. So, silk <laughs> sheets don't muffle sound <laughs> or wet thumps. I mean, you know, it's, it's just it's just like it feels. It's like it's one of those things where you know I'm sure it can I'm sure it can happen and actually according to uh, a few sources it actually did uh, because a lot of these characters are based on real people from organized crime it, it's just it's just one of those things where like I there are enough weird creaking noises on various places in, where I live and just because of the way I sleep I would wake up like before the head even hit the bed like I feel like they would have had to have pumped pumped knockout gas into the room who's to say they didn't well that's actually that's that's a good point you know but i guess the yeah the or they could have used a chloroform to uh, yeah i suppose i could see that just pre-chloroform them just to be safe you know maybe sneak into the house early you know put some sleep put like a sleeping pill in with his uh his antacid tablets you know i don't know sure. so, so there's plenty of ways it could work it's just that's always sort of stood out to me like how did he sleep through all this but then the other thing i wanted to talk about the actual uh this scene is supp- uh, is supposed to be based on an on an actual on an actual incident and the incident it's based off of and this is one of the details that they actually had to change at the insistence of the studio the when this actually happened in the world of organized crime you know the horse was supposed to be put out to stud they cut the horse's dick off and put it in the guy's bed oh wow yeah now that would have been mm. a, an amazing scene but in a totally different way right and speaking of that it's it's a good point when mario puzo wrote the novel he himself uh, had no connections to organized crime. He based it all off of research he did in the library. Any particular library? Uh, several libraries in in Manhattan. Hmm. So, but he said oh, like afterwards, the one that was haunted in Ghostbusters. Right, but afterwards, you know, he had members of the the mafia come and talk to him and say how much they enjoyed the film and that oh, we don't believe you. You had or enjoyed the book and said you had to have been part of the mafia to know all this stuff. He got everything right, and uh, I think at one point he joked he never had to pay for dinner at an Italian restaurant again the rest of his life <laughs> after uh, being responsible for The Godfather. Yeah, well, and actually, it, and, and again, this is supposedly you know there are, and this happens with with a lot of with a lot of films in different areas. Uh, there there are films that are sort of considered 
inspiring and sort of canon depending on your career and it just so happens that there are uh, apparently people in organized crime who really like this film and kind of look to it oh we didn't even mention the sopranos references uh, godfather a lot oh indeed so, well again they yeah. of course you know the, the soprano is grounded enough in reality that it 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 takes place in a world where this movie exists and all the characters have seen it and uh, several times memorized it right yeah, and so I think uh, before we take a, a little uh, moment here to talk about our, our website and plug some stuff, uh, what do you think about the performances of the main two uh, f- actresses in the film, Diane Keaton and Talia Shire? You might recall Talia Shire played Rocky's wife in the Rocky films we did recently. Yeah, yeah they're 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 good, but this is, this is a movie about the men and their power struggles. Sure, but I, I find the scene really hard to watch. With uh, a pregnant Talia Shire as uh, Connie Corleone, the the youngest daughter of the Corleone family, as she's being viciously uh, beat by her husband. Mm, yeah. it, it feels like a really realistic scene. Like she, is, plates are breaking, he takes the belt off, he kind of, you know, holds it like a switch, folds and, it and, in half like a switch. And that is goddamn terrifying. It is, but that kind of stuff happens to women all the time. That it doesn't make does... it any less terrifying. Sir, no, it feels very real. It doesn't feel like a movie. It feels at that point like you're watching. It's it's just a, it's a horrifying scene, and so you can, and I think they had to make that scene so uh, awful to understand why Sonny is so pissed off because he already went and beat the shit out of the guy once, and so he leaves the he leaves the the, the compound in a huff. And then at the at the toll bridge, there's an ambush set up, and he gets uh, riddled the, with the famous James Con death scene. When they were filming that scene, they rigged him up with so many. They call them squibs. It's these little mm-hmm. things, packets of blood things that explode, um, with more squibs than had ever been used on an actor in a movie before. And he asked, "Is this safe?" And they said, "We don't know." <laughs> And he got pretty severely bruised, I think, during the scene because it, it explodes all over the place. Yeah, I, I, as I understand it, he, his 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 torso became a roadmap of pain. Yeah, covered in bruises took took a few days to heal. But James Caan, I think, is and, very and good in this film. Yeah, and that and that's one of those iconic scenes you see referenced all the time. And going back to the Simpsons, as as we always do, right? That that is probably the Godfather scene that has been referenced on the Simpsons and recreated on the Simpsons more time than any other. One actually involving James Caan going to a toll booth asking for spare change, and these guys come out of the woods and start throwing quarters at him, and he starts thrashing around as the quarters hit him. <laughs> Uh, well, let's talk about our website at SequelCast.com. You can download all the past episodes of the SequelCast. If, if you like what you hear, you like the show, uh, you might want to consider donating to us on PayPal. we got a PayPal link on the left side of the page. And you can also rent the films that we're talking about as a digital downloads. Or, sorry, as a digital rental through Amazon. It's usually between $1.99 and $2.99 a piece. Uh, pretty good quality, uh, pretty Pretty good deal. I, I'd recommend that. You can also hear the SequelCast uh, network of podcast on Stitcher. Yeah, don't wait 20 years for a podcast to download. Just get it instantly streaming with Stitcher. Get the app at stitcher.com slash SequelCast. And all the SequelCast network uh, podcasts get added as your favorite. And you're automatically subscribed. Because why wouldn't you? If you uh, like us, uh, leave us a positive review on iTunes. We haven't had one of those for years. 
Um, and our Facebook page is facebook.com slash sequelcast. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Right. I'm at sequelcast. And I am at Internet Mayor. I also want to point out we have uh, message boards now, but um, nobody. we've had one person sign up, but nobody's really used it yet. But I started some topics that could be fun to talk about. And uh, you can check that out at sequelcast.freeforums.net. Who doesn't like a free forum? Uh, the forum, because it feels like it's being used. So use ours, <laughs> please. Okay, uh, back to The Godfather. So we've talked, I think, a good bit about this film. There's so much to talk about. Um, one sequence I was... Let's talk about a few sequences each of us were impressed with before giving our final rating on the film. All righty. I love the stuff in Italy. I think that stuff is gorgeous. It almost feels like it's from a separate movie. It's the last stuff they filmed. The studio did not want them to film it because they said it's going to add a whole lot to the cost of the film. It's it's worth it, though. I think so. It just... It, it's real uh, real lush. You, you, you know, after um, Michael, played by Al Pacino... He hatches this plan to kill both Salazzo and the cop that uh, beat the shit out of him, who also happens to be a crooked cop. Um, they He has to hide, so he flees off to Italy with only his family members know, but he doesn't even tell his fiance, uh, Kay, played by Diane Keaton. And while he's in Italy, he gets married to a smoking hot broad. And uh, it's interesting to see how the mafia functions in uh, Italy. Because it's these guys with shotguns just around their back. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's my it's it's my understanding that they're they're supposed to have so much power and respect there that they can just be out in the open like that. Right. I think you know the the romance scene is uh, is very good. Uh, the, the scenery is just gorgeous. I have not had the pleasure of going to Europe yet, but I hope to go uh, sometime in the next few years. Oh, you um, must. Right. Have you been to that part of Italy or Italy at all? Not that uh, actually, yes, I've been to Rome, uh-huh. Rome and Venice, and it and it is truly wonderful. Uh, you, it's it's it is amazing to be in a place that has such a continuity of civilization. Right, I think it just adds a whole. It lets the movie breathe for a bit. You've seen a whole pretty intense scene with the lead up to uh, Pacino going against uh, Salazzo, the Turk. And it just gives the picture a moment to breathe, gives it a different flavor. Um, I almost went, and you know, when the the girl, uh, when his wife that he marries, he meets and falls in love and has to marry, dies in the exploding car. Part of me wonders, like, what if she would have lived and he would have had to go home and explain that to Kay? Eh, went to Italy, uh, met, a be- made a, met a girl more pretty than you, uh, we got married... Sorry. Oh, Gilly. And I like cheese. Yeah. <laughs> that that would be a very different movie. <laughs> um, what's another sequence in the film you enjoy? Actually, I'm going to I'm going to go back to the to the the horse head in the bed scene. That is that is an amazing uh, uh I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a. Pro, I guess. I guess it's technically an effect that that horse head. Uh, it's and just like that 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 weird twisted almost calliope music that plays 
um, mm. as as the guy wakes up and, and sees sees what's lying next to him. It's just there's something very sort of surreal about it, having that animal head rising up from the covers. There is a bloody horse head, and it is in my bed. Why did you cut my horse's head off? Da, 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 da. Yeah, I mean, this, the score in this brilliantly takes one theme and doesn't quite run it into the ground because it keeps on rearranging it in clever ways. Oh, by the way, that that thing you just sang is that is that from the uh, the upcoming Godfather musical, Gods a Poppin? You know, I, I heard that was a sequel. That was the sequel, God Godfather to the musical Hell's a Poppin. I think uh, Godfather One is called Horse a Poppin. So, gallop your way into crime. I really enjoy the character of Luca Brasi who is is very minor in the film but he's kind of the big kind of the big enforcer he's like the biggest threat uh he's on the Corleone side but the other families keep on trying to buy him off and the Corleones feel protected when they have Luca Brasi but so when Luca Luca Brasi gets murdered uh it really sends them and it makes them very vulnerable and that he has a scene in the beginning where he's just repeating to him. He's not very bright. And he just repeats himself over and over again. I give, I give you this gift um, as a token of gratitude uh, on this, the day of your, your daughter's wedding. And he repeats it to himself over and over again because he's too stupid to remember what he has to say. Well, I'm not sure it's quite him being stupid. I mean, he's also, you know, he's also nervous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Marlon Brando is pretty great as the Godfather. Oh, well, there's a reason why everybody has a Vito Corleone impression. You know, the actor, I don't believe Marlon Brando, I'll look it up to see if he's Italian at all, which it, it shouldn't really matter, but. Hmm. Okay, I don't know if he was Italian at all, but. I've, I've heard, and, and again, I have no source for this, but I, I heard he's actually might be of Polish descent, uh, German, Dutch, and regardless, that doesn't really matter. He's he's a very good actor, an excellent actor, and he would kind of become a bit of a parody later in his career. But um, at this point, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of humor to his performance as the Godfather that people might not quite realize. Well, you know, he he does he he is kind of like your 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 lame but funny father slash grandfather, especially you know when he brings up the, uh-huh. the whole orange gag. Like, there's something there's something very real about the way he connects with his his children and grandchildren. Right, and you know, the year this came out, 1972, uh, Godfather was the number one film uh, in the United States, and the, at the time, the highest grossing film ever made. Right. Uh, number two, in case you're wondering, was The Poseidon Adventure. And number three was the Warren Beatty film, uh, What's Up, Doc? Which doesn't have a sequel, prequel, or remake. No, it does not. But The Godfather has some, which is why we're talking about it. Um, one bit of interest, I think, before we rate this film. So that whole sequence in Italy I was talking about. Mario Puzo did a spinoff novel called The Sicilian. And it starts where Michael Corleone, he's ready to go back to New York, 
and he's waiting there at the docks and he's told, oh, your, your father wants you to get one more person. He wants you to get this, uh, this Robin Hood type, uh, type character. And so you can bring him with you to the United States. And, um, I, I've only read a, a tiny bit at the beginning of the novel. I haven't had much time, but they actually made a movie of it starring uh, Christopher Lambert in the lead. And they took out all the Michael Corleone stuff because they didn't have the rights to have that character in the film. Really? But it's called The Sicilian, and it has um, Christopher Lambert of Highlander fame playing an Italian, which understandably is supposed to be hilarious. Well, um, he's he's played everything now. <laughs> he's played an immortal. He's played a god of thunder. He's played an Italian. That's the trifecta. That's, that's the EGOT of uh, French actors. <laughs> so any last thoughts on The Godfather? Uh, just it's it's a good damn movie. You owe it to yourself to see it. You know, we just heard that uh, friend of the show Jason came on. Let's rate this film and then let's pull Jason on the show. Ooh, delightful! We good to have him back. Um, let's. Uh, okay, I'm just. I'll just start. You know, I'll, I'll I'll give it. I'll give it four four and a half. It. it it is good, but I sadly find myself in that sort of Amadeus position a few too many notes. Like, if you had to trim, like, a scene or a sequence, what would it be? Do you think it could be, like, 20 minutes shorter? Did it have to be three I, hours? I don't... I, I think it could probably be made perfectly serviceable uh, at an, at maybe two two and a half, because I don't, I don't want to amputate this movie. Um, I guess... I, I guess, like, I wouldn't cut any particular scene. I would just make little tr- economical trims here and there. Maybe a little bit, you know, trim trim uh, a little bit from the daughter's wedding. Trim uh, a little bit from the, the shooting at the toll booth. Uh, mm. Trim, you know, trim a, a little bit, you know, a, a little bit from the horse head and the, 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 the intimidation of the movie producer. Just make tiny little economical cuts just to, to, to rein it in just a bit. I think I'd agree. I also give it four and a half stars out of five. I think it, it takes a bit to get going. And I, I know a lot of it's character building in the beginning, but it's about like a good half hour with the Johnny Fontaine stuff. And you could probably, although the horse heads is a classic scene, you could probably lose that from the movie. So we finished up our discussion in the film, but if we could just get your, your thoughts really quick. Um, the Godfather is a real classic. Yeah. Do you like it better than the second one? Ooh. That's the big thing that gets people up in arms, I think. And in a recent interview, Francis Ford Coppola, the director of these films, said he feels like, in retrospect, he says he made the second one just for the money, just like he did with the third one, which a lot of people think he's high for saying that, because uh, Godfather 2 is regarded as one of the best sequels of all time. Um, no, I like the first one. Yeah. There are parts of the first one that I would cut out, like his time in Italy. Interesting. You know, Thrasher was saying uh, you could nip and tuck all over the place. And in fact, the stuff in Italy was the last stuff they did for the film. I can imagine. And the studio didn't want them to do it because they're like, you know, you could just have all the other shit happen. And then, oh, Michael's back. No, the most amazing parts of that movie are him defending his father. That is such a tense, Mm. amazing part of the film. You feel the tension of him waiting on the steps making sure that people don't come into his father's hospital room and shoot him dead. Right. Or him with a pillow. 
Yeah, or I mean, not just that. The um, man where the 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 crooked the the cop just starts like beating the shit out of him. Oh. And like as a kid, I didn't realize that his jaw got broken. And I, I when I first saw this film, I didn't understand why Michael's face is different for the middle of the film after he's been yeah. the shit kicked out of him. And it's because in the book they explain it more that his jaw got broken and it had to be wired together. But in the movie, it looks like he has the mumps or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like he has all the cotton that Brando put in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In his mouth. <laughs> right. Man, but that is a good... Because the thing is about... The thing about Godfather 2, man, there are some beautiful sections of it, but I've seen them... I've seen pieces like that in other Italian, like Once Upon a Time in the West. Right, yeah. Time, or not, yeah. Once Upon a Time in America. There are parts that are very much sure. like that. Yep. Close. Yep. But the the Godfather has such iconic pieces. I, I was actually reading an article about De Niro and how many movies he had done with uh, Scorsese. Yes. And one of my favorites of, is, of course, Casino for some strange reason. But oh, okay. Two. There are some pieces of that that are so iconic as well. His his uh, uh, his what's uh, him getting rid of the gun is amazing. Right, the gun in the toilet. Oh no, no I'm talking about for Godfather Two. Oh oh oh, right. Okay. When when De Niro, uh, but Pacino, man. You know, De Niro was actually considered to play Sonny in the first Godfather. Yeah, and I, that would have been really different. I mean, Jimmy Con, James Con isn't. What is James Con? Uh, he's an actor. He is no, also no, a I'm, genetically engineered super warrior uh, from the late twenty first century. No, I mean he's not Italian, is he? Oh, okay, that's what you're asking. <laughs> uh, let me look this up. Hold on. Is he is he Irish? I'm going. To, I'm going to is he Italian dot com. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's see what I can see what I can. Is find. there such a thing? There uh, probably is. If there isn't, I'm claiming that as a URL. Uh, while we're at it, let's also get uh, is, uh, is he he's a manatee. A, he he's a German uh, German Jew. Really? Yes, or maybe I, I don't know if he, he's full Jewish or, or half Jewish. Then you know what? He's my first pick to play the head of uh, the Italian household after his father shot. Jesus, really? Why was he in the movie? He's a good actor. You know, I think he... I, his, he, I can think of a few yeah. other people in that time period who would have been better. His mother's maiden name was Falkenstein. But his, really? His, yeah, like but the his, castle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Falkenstein, yeah. But his, uh, <laughs> his, his father's last name is Khan. And, um... Man, even... Ah... Uh, Hold on. Even I'm trying to think of people in that era who would have been better. I actually think Robert Duvall would have made a better Sonny, but he was also older. Right. God, who in that time period would have been better than James? I really like uh, Elliot Gould. Sure, that's inspired. Yeah. Yeah, Ellie, uh, automatically in my head. Elliot Gould, 
Yeah, fucking Elliot Gould would have been great. That would have been great. Well, let's let's do our pitch a sequel segment. Uh, let's pretend, you know, no sequels to Godfather ever happened. If you had to do a sequel to The Godfather, what would you do, Jason? I think it would just wind up Godfather 3. <laughs> Not good no, films. I would, cover, I would cover their connections to Cuba and possibly... Hmm... Yeah, you know what? I would have done some stuff in Cuba, and I would have had them talking about uh, getting rid of... Well, wait, what's the time period? Does that match up if they were going to get rid of Bugsy Malone? I don't the, think the so. Oh, no, no, that, with the that pies? No, not Jesus the... Christ, Thrasher, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's completely the wrong time. <laughs> um, but boy, that movie. Let's make a, let's make a sequel to, to Bugsy Malone. Oh, God. Bugsy Malone, a terrible movie. Yes, the Jodie Foster, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. Jeez. Uh, I think for my Godfather two, I would do um, Vito Corleone is a baby in Italy, in Sicily, and and as a baby, he accidentally goes out of his crib and picks up a pistol, and and he's a he's a pistol packing infant. And he accidentally becomes like a a very young Don in Italy, but he's so notorious that's why his family has to uh, has to escape to to New York because as a baby he got so much damage to not not just the mafia but the uh, the church itself. So wait, would you call it the Godfather Two Escape to New York? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you and I noticed you really like sequels with the main character as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 that just is always funny to me. I don't know. You don't. Uh... Baby's day out too. <laughs> out for blood. Yeah. God. Uh, Le- did, we, did, yeah. did Godfather Two have a like a uh, like a uh, didn't have a hyphen? No, it was the Godfather Part Two. Part Two. Hmm. Yeah. It, leave the pacifier. Take the cannoli. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Uh, Thrasher, he'll fill your... a diaper you can't reuse. <laughs> no, you leave it. He'll, he'll make a diaper you can't refuse. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Enjoy this felly this safe. Thrasher, what's your pitch of sequel? Okay, well, my pitch of sequel. And I'm not joking. I actually would love to see this movie made. And, and Jason, this is what I want to hear you comment on. So my Godfather sequel would actually be a metafictional spinoff of The Godfather it would be the movie that Johnny Fontaine gets the part in. Ooh. And it would be filmed like just like a movie at the time. It would kind of have a look that's kind of half Rat Pack movie, half Elvis movie. And it would hit all those beats. It would almost serve as like a real like parody or satire of those kind of star vehicle films for musicians and entertainers. But one of the key, one of the key elements, though, is you know Johnny. You know the the producer put Johnny in this film under duress. So as the film goes on, you see more and more things on screen that indicate how displeased <laughs> the producer, the director, and the other stars are with Johnny Fontaine. Now, now this would be a, a straight up movie. It would not be a mockumentary. 
of no, the no, making. it would be like th- th- there see. might be like maybe you know what during the credits do outtakes like in like in Smokey and the Bandit in those movies, and but they would still be metafictional outtakes of things that would have happened behind the scenes of the making of this movie. Oh, guys, Ever give that get movie this. a title. Yes, get this. There's a short called Ode to Fredo. It is a short musical comedy that was made in 2007, which imagines the last minutes of Fredo Corleone's life. Huh. But what... But but did did the Johnny Fontaine movie have a title? Oh, God. Uh, I don't remember one being mentioned. Good question. I I don't think so. He, it probably does in the book. Okay, well, well, here's here's what we'll call it. Uh, here's what the movie will be called. It'll be called, uh, because, of course, his name has to go in the title now that he's in it, uh, the movie will be called Johnny Loves Him. And he's got two dames, one the blonde, one the redhead, and one a brunette. I know that's three, but that's what makes this a really complicated love triangle. Uh, have you seen that short film, Jason? I have not. I just okay. found out about it. Interesting. So uh, he comes back in The Godfather Part 3. What, Fredo? Yeah, no, 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 no. no. Fontaine. Johnny Fontaine is mentioned, or I guess comes back. Well, I mean, we'll talk about this more in the Godfather 3 episode, but did you know that uh, before Mario Puzo died, him and Coppola were working on an idea for Godfather 4? Really? That would have been... Cutting back and forth between the stories of a uh, a teenage uh, Sonny and Tom Hagen, and a uh, a younger uh, Michael Corleone getting more mixed up in the drug trade, and part of that was the basis for a novel that came out a few years ago called the the uh, oh geez I think it's called the the Corleone family or something like that. It's by Eddie Falco. Uh, based on the screenplay by Puzo, Edie Falco, yep. Age of a sitcom called All in the Corleone Family. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh. oh, the way Johnny Fontaine played. I'm surprised they don't have Godfather-branded wine, Godfather-branded... Uh, they do. Francis Ford Coppola does. Oh, does he? Does he have a, a, a line called The Godfather? I did not... I believe so. I did not have a chance to go... I, I go, does I, have Coppola... Yeah. He has the winery. Yes, uh, he has a few wineries. I got. A, I had a chance to go to one of his wineries uh, last uh, fall, but um, it was like five minutes before it closed. So I, I didn't really. I just got a chance to see. He had one of his Oscars there, and um, they had a family tree of the Coppola family, in which Nicolas Cage has a one-word entry, which was pretty funny. Oh, that, that, that that one-word entry is "shut up" is one word. <laughs> he actually has. Uh, at the Geyserville uh, location of the Francis Ford Coppola Winery, he actually has the desk from The Godfather. Nice. Yeah, I did not get to go to, to that one. I went to some other one that he bought out um, not too long ago. Uh, anyway, but it, it was very, very pretty. I wish I, a friend of mine got to go on an like eight-hour tour of the, the winery, and he said it was a blast. Um, so let's talk about sequel news. There's a big piece of news that came out today. Uh, did you see this, Jason? The, no, I looked at something else that made me cry. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that in the, the special show we're recording next. Do you have some time? Yeah, of course I do. Okay, thanks. Um, but the sequel news that came out today, which is huge, is uh, the main cast for Star Wars Episode Seven was announced. Uh, 
Have you seen this picture yet, Jason? Yes. Have you Boy, seen... does uh, does Skywalker look haggard? Oh yeah, Mark Hamill does. We'll talk about this. I think some of the cast members have been rumored for a while, specifically that that it was going to have um, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill making a return. And um, yeah, I think. But it also has a lot of cast members that, frankly, I don't recognize. And yeah. the, this isn't all the cast uh, in Andy the film. Serkis. Andy Serkis, I think, yeah, that is a big surprise. Do you think well, he's going to? I'm thrilled he's going to be in this. Do you though. think he's going to be himself? You think he's going to play a motion capture uh, alien? Sorry. Oh, you know he's going to play a motion capture alien, if not all the motion capture aliens. Oh, but now here's another problem. I heard there's only one new female name. And somebody's complaining, oh, there's not enough female characters. She might be the main character. She could be, and she could also be... Uh, people have noticed that she's sitting in between Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Does that mean he's going to play their daughter? Ooh, conspiracy in the picture. Actually, it turns out uh, Mark Hamill is photoshopped into that picture. Mark Hamill looks so haggard, he's talking to Anthony Daniels, I believe. But he looks like he just got, like... Stayed up all night drinking Shirley Temples. I, I don't know what's going on. Oh, well, he's, he's still recovering from playing the Joker. That takes it out of you. There you go. Jeez. Um. So yeah, look looking at this the picture. idea of like a haggard Luke Skywalker. <laughs> right. So um, this uh, this actress, uh, this younger actress between Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, that's Daisy Ridley, who, as I understand it, has has barely been in any movies professionally. You know what? That's great. Remember, a lot sure. of her phones. Well, right. She's been in movies unprofessional? Well, she hasn't had a, a long career, and she's also fairly young, so I think it's, it, there isn't a lot of unknowns, and I think that is smart. That's a good call, Jason. Uh, yeah, I'm glad they're bringing unknowns in. Uh, next to Carrie Fisher, going sort of uh, clockwise around here, you have Peter Mayhew, who's Chewbacca himself. Which also, kind of, which also thrills me. I love that the original Chewbacca's back. He's not in great health, but um, I don't think maybe, that, maybe that'll be part of uh, part of Chewbacca's uh, story. You know, he'll just go, which means let me sit down for a minute. Yeah, he just had double knee replacement surgery. I saw a picture of him and Vern Troyer on their scooters together. What in the airport? That'd be a funny picture. Yeah, uh, I I've met Peter May. I think you were with me, Thrasher. We've seen Peter Mayhew in passing. At Dragon Con several years ago. Oh yes, I've also I also saw him at uh, Comic Palooza last year. Wow. He's uh, he's extremely tall, as you can imagine. Oh, indeed. And he does a very passable Chewbacca imitation, even though the real Chewbacca noise is a, a sound editing uh, by Ben Burt, combining a lot of stuff. But the walk of Chewbacca, the the friendliness of the character, I think you know who inhabits the suit, does in fact make a difference. So next At the same to, time, they could do motion capture, and that yes, would be it. That's true. But it could happen. Well, they didn't I have him was. in a suit. They did have him in a suit playing a younger Chewbacca in uh, Revenge of the Sith. It's it's not the same without a suit. Right. Uh, well, and everything, if you do the things practical, yes. then, yeah, the movie is so much better. Right. Um, so next to him, it's sort of more, um, you know, production people. Next to Peter Mayhew, you have the producer, Brian Burke, who's worked with J.J. Abrams a long time. Next to that, the new president of Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, who used to produce all of Spielberg's pictures. Um, 
Next to that, Dom Hall Gleason. No idea. How oh, sweet the, it is. He's the oldest. Jeez. Uh, he's the oldest uh, Weasley, I believe. Oh. Oh. It's the back of his head you're seeing in that picture, but. Oh, wait. Wait, which one? Not the twins. The, the oldest Weasley? The father? No, no, no. Let me look this up on IMDb. Podcast listeners are gonna love that. Well, he played uh he played Bill Weasley. Oh, he was Bill. Okay, so he's the one who marries Floor. Is that the one that leaves to like go research monsters or whatever? No, I believe he's the one who gets who gets bitten by one of the werewolves. Oh, oh, okay. Let's okay. see, because Bill and Floor they're the ones who get married. This has been Talkin' Potter, your number one podcast for all Harry Potter-related news. We had Jason on some of those Harry Potter episodes. Uh, yeah, I have a friend who's going to Portland to be in a Harry Potter LARP. What? I oh. know. Crazy. Um, so, that's Tom Hall Gleason. Next to that is Anthony Daniels, who, of course, has played C-3PO. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I have a feeling, I don't know if this film is going to be, like, upbeat. It might be kind of dark. I don't know. But J.J. Abrams. It'll uh, have something comedic, but it'll have a darker overturn, right. like uh, Star Wars. Uh, uh, Star I Wars. want it to be good. That's sure. all the yes. Next Let time it, is, is Mark Hamill, who hasn't been on the big screen in a major motion picture in a long time. He has acted in movies. He has done a shitload of voiceover. He's incredibly talented. Hey, The Giver was a major motion picture, and by major, I mean major disappointment. Oh. Right. Um, yeah, he needs to be in more. At that, sure. He is a good actor. He is a good actor. I didn't say he wasn't, but he just has been, you know, do, doing theater, doing... He's really had more of a voiceover career lately, which has been uh, doing quite well for him, and he's been popping up in, in some uh, direct-to-video stuff here and there, so it's nice to see him back. You know, I, I did hope the rumors were true, which they were, that the, the main three would be back. Uh, notice, no Billy D. Williams in this picture. Oh, no, you're right. But this is just the main cast. You could have a Billy D. Williams cameo. You could have a scene where Han Solo whips a, a framed picture of Lando out of his pocket. Oh, there was a joke going around. You In the movie uh, Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier, Right. his notepad, he has... Uh, Star Wars as something he has to reference that he has to go and watch. Oh, yeah, he has to see Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, but he's going to see Star Wars, and then he's going to see that that um, that Nick Fury is a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> you know the stuff on the notepad in that movie they change for each country? Yeah. Which is strange. Really interesting. Like, what is, I guess, more of a uh, culture... Miles to the Russians and the Chinese. Wait, so that means Captain America would want to catch up on Russian culture? Yeah. The, the science fiction novellas of Stranistall Lem. <laughs> or, no, or no, it was a Chopek. Well, they changed Armstrong. They changed the landing on the moon to the Russian equivalent. To the guy who uh, circumnavigated around the orbit. And I'm like, that's not... A, oh, no, Yuri, the first man into space? Yuri Gagarin? Yes. Right. Um, 
Well, okay, no, I take back. The first man intentionally sent into space. There were people who were abducted and taken by aliens before then. Yes, of course. Uh, so next to Mark, back to the Star Wars Episode Seven picture, um, the cast, which I think this picture is a pretty classy way to do a cast announcement. Mm-hmm. It's black and white. It's, it's pleasant. Off in the distance. It's far. In, I I tried on my computer enhancing the pages they're looking at to see if I could read any of the script, but I did not. <laughs> no. I saw a picture recently of the Avengers cast all at Joss Whedon's house. That's cool. And James Earl, or not James Earl, no, shoot, wow. James uh, Spader? No, no, James Spader wasn't in the pic, wow. Zerbaniak? No. James T. Kirk? James no. Spader oh. is in Avengers too. Yes, I know he is, but I'm, why can't I think of his name now? Nick Fury, uh, or Mace Windu. <laughs> why can't I think of his name? Samuel L. Jackson. Thank you. Samuel L. Jackson is checking his phone. Everybody else is looking at the camera. <laughs> he didn't know they were taking a picture. has the reading glasses on. It's so cute. Well, he was tweeting out the hashtag to the credit card he hawks all the time on TV. There you go. So, um, next to Andy Serkis, we talked about already. Next to him, Oscar Isaac. Hmm. I don't know that name. Should I know that name? Uh, he was the lead... In uh, Inside uh, Elwyn Davis, oh. the Corrin Brothers film that not that many people saw that came out last year. But he is a good actor. I, that's what I understand, yes. I'm, not... I'm imagining him as a smuggler or a criminal type. Could be. Uh, next to him is John uh, Boyega. Now, I have a question. I want to see what you guys think about this. Do you think that Guardians of the Galaxy might take a little of the fervor off of Star Wars Episode Seven. Well, actually, mm. I, I've been saying for ages that Guardians... Well, since the, the, the full trailer came out, that Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be the Star Wars movie we've always wanted to see. And I still kind of feel that way. I think Guardians... I don't, like, I don't, yeah. I don't think it's going to change... It's not going to make me lose or even gain interest in, in the next Star Wars movie. Uh, However, I think it's in a very good position to be better at being Star Wars than Star Wars. I think while being successful, Guardians of the Galaxy is going to fall on its ass. It by far seems like the, the super nerdiest of all the, the Marvel uh, films uh, the Mar- under the Marvel Films label that, that has come out. The tone in the trailer is weird. I'm just thinking of the performance of the uh, live-action Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy film, which uh, was, was which tanked pretty bad. I think this will do uh, better because it's attached to Marvel, and it's uh, the last thing they're doing uh, leading up to Avengers 2, if I'm correct in that, which I think I am. Uh, I thought Ant-Man was supposed to be coming out before Avengers 2. Nope. Uh, that comes out later. That's been in the works for a while, but that comes out a little later. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'll be very interested to see how that movie performs. I think, obviously, Star Wars Episode Seven is going to make a fuckload of money. Whether it deserves to or not. Right. Uh, one I actor in the... Ticket for Episode One. Sure. Um, so, so, John Boyega, do you recognize him? John Boyega. Which one is he? He is a... Uh, African or no, he's he looks African American in the picture, but he's actually Guatemalan. Ooh. Um, Are you yeah. going to isheguatemalan.com? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. But he was in a film that I I understand is uh, what the heck? Oh, he was in a movie called Attack the Block. 
Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. That I've heard is pretty good that I have not seen. That's like a British science fiction comedy. Yes. He was damn good in that. But I'm wondering I'm wondering where this will take it. Is it going to be focused more on a ragtag couple of people? Is it going to be far-reaching in politics or trade agreements? Uh, they've said they want to have it more in tone with the original trilogy of Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi. Um, Good. We, Let's follow a group through the world while something is crazy is going on around them. Sure. And reportedly Han Solo has a big part in this Episode 7 film. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think... Uh, but but there is... Uh, the, the last actor we haven't talked about in this picture is Adam Driver from the HBO show Girls. I don't watch Girls. I don't watch I, Girls it, either. Could he be our dashing young hero? He could be a bad guy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let me take that back. I do watch Girls, but I don't watch the show Girls. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, another guy in this in the picture, the last guy we haven't talked about, is Lawrence Kasdan. He was one of the co-screenwriters. He was also a screenwriter on Empire Strikes Back. Return of the Jedi, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he oh, will be playing... Well, he's not playing anything. I know. Um, so I, I think we've, we've had a good discussion about these people in this picture. Um, oh, I, well, where's Billy D. Williams? Like, I, I want to see Lando on screen again. Billy D. Williams has been campaigning hard on Twitter to get him in the film. But it could... You know, I think he might have a smaller part. This is the main cast. Or maybe he'll be in episode 8, not episode 7. Yeah. That's not a bad He's guess. a fun character. He's a good character. I would love to see I would love to see more of him. What if the character of Lando is dead, but his spirit is kept alive as the Navic computer on the Millennium Falcon? That would be oh. silly and a level of technology that does not work well with Star Wars. <laughs> Agreed. Just make him a Jedi ghost. Ooh, that asteroid field was a bit rough there. You better watch out. Works every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. That's rich Corinthian leather. Ooh. <laughs> uh-huh. No, it's rich, it's rich Corillian leather. <laughs> I like R2-D2 in the box in the photo. I think that's very funny. That's so well staged. Yes, of course it's a stage photo. I don't know. I, I guess it looks like people are talking to each other in the photo. At the bottom of the thing, there are three heads. Who are they? Um, right. <laughs> They're the Adjustment so, Bureau. Uh, on the far left, the one Mark Hamill is glaring off in the distance, is Anthony Daniels. Next to him is um, Dom Hall uh, Gleason. Next no, event. no, 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 no. I'm talking about the three. I'm talking, like, right down in the middle. Okay, the bottom left corner. Oh, shit. Okay, I'm seeing the whole picture now. You're right. I don't know. Are they, like, interns? Are they more cast members they haven't announced yet? You think they're going to reveal, like, a fuller picture? Oh, wait, wait. I figured it out. I figured it out, guys. Yeah? Billy D. Williams is taking the picture. Ah. Maybe. But I think, in true Hollywood fashion... I think those people are the people whose job it is to laugh uproariously at all the jokes and applaud every line as if it's the most brilliant thing ever written. That's their job at the table read. Uh, do you want to bet there's going to be some idiotic callback lines in Star Wars Episode Seven? I only so- want to hear <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about this. That's all I want to hear. That is guaranteed to be in there. 
J.J. Abrams. Because he did. He certainly in his uh, two Star Trek films. Yeah. Um, he, he did callbacks. Do you think there's going to be a scene where Han Solo goes to Chewie and Chewie goes. And Han Solo goes, I know. Yeah, there probably will. There's going to be at least one of those jokes where somebody who like doesn't. Like, okay, let's say it's Gleason or whatever, who's like maybe let's say one of the Raiders or one of the the, the ragtag group, right. uh, and Chewbacca says something, and he's like, and he takes the line that we know for Harrison Ford, or even if the daughter, if um, if it's uh, if it's this uh, Daisy Ridley, if right. she says it, because mm. it'll be the new people who will be doing the same things that'll do the callbacks. Though that makes sense, members. Night. I, I don't, don't want doing anything like I don't want class. callbacks though. I want a new Star Wars movie. I don't want a movie that reminds me of the movies that I liked. Well, J.J. Abrams is all about reminding you of stuff you liked, and that's what it, has me so nervous while about making this production. it shiny. Um, so, I mean, do you think they're going to kill off Princess Leia, Han Solo, or Luke Skywalker in this film? Yes. Which one? All. Mm. All three, and I'm willing to bet it happens. I can see someone. I can see one of. Them. I don't think they would just kill them off. I think they would really try to milk that moment. And hey, and if Luke's the one that dies, he can still come back as a Jedi ghost. I, I bet you the the bad guy has um has you know he has juggling skills, and he can juggle three lightsabers at once. And he raises him in the air and stabs all three characters at the same time in front he, of their own Darth children. He's Darth Pennywise, the Sith clown. <laughs> no, you know what it'll be? Because you know what it'll be? It'll be them killing both Han Solo and Princess Leia. And that the makes Darth sense. Pay, yeah. And maybe going to find Uncle Luke. And he's in a swamp somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, sure, I can see that. Right. Uh, but I'm still willing to bet all three die. Uh, maybe. Because if, if she's got any force... Uh, what do you call them? I'm not going to use that. No, I didn't want to use the word! <laughs> Midichlorians is the Macbeth in the Star Wars universe. You, you can't <laughs> say the M-word. You have, to say, you have to say the Scottish organelle. <laughs> All right, we're running a bit late on this episode, so so to tie things up, uh, let's skip what you're watching, and let's go straight on to the Paul Goebel Memorial Mashup. Oh, uh, yes, the Paul Goebel Show Memorial Mashup, where I take two, two hideous impressions, combine them into one abominable impression, and uh, Matt and our guests have to figure out what that Im- combined impression is. And the name of the impression will be a combination of the names of the, the, peop- the two people that I'm doing. Why does this exist? Because by by special decree of the king of TV, Paul Goebel, it is now our right, duty, and responsibility to continue this tradition from his old podcast. Uh, on the show we've had on Paul Goebel, who is the king of TV on Beat the Geeks. All right, go for it. I see you're not, <laughs> I see you're not impressed. Okay, Thrasher, go All ahead. right. So, I'm not impressed. I just don't want to hear this. All right. But, but you have to. It's the, only way. the show can't end if I don't... Go for it. Twilight Zone. If I don't do it, we're stuck on this show forever. Go. All right, so. 
Strap you to a table, cause I'm gonna kill you feeling hot, hot, hot. Stab you through the hot, but it's okay cause you're a bad guy feeling hot, hot, hot. Chop up your body, put it into plastic bags feeling hot, hot, hot. Throw them in the ocean, no one ever finds them feeling hot, hot, hot. When the show is cancelled, for some reason I become a lumberjack, jack, jack. So, who was that? Hold on, I know exactly who it was, but I want to make sure I get his real name. <laughs> okay, no cheating. it is the combination of David Johansson and Dexter from Dexter. So you got to give me the full name. Okay, so the full combined name. Poindexter? There's more to it than that. Oh, God. Is there really? Yeah, you have to give me the whole combined name or this doesn't end. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Hold on, wait. Okay. David Johansson, he performed as... Oh, God, he was in the... He was in the... He was in the... The New York Dolls. Oh, God, what the... Buster Poindexter! Buster Poindexter Morgan. Morgan. Oh, Dexter Morgan. Okay. Well, I'm thinking of the show. So, did you figure it out, Matt? Uh, no. Nope. Oh. I, I would have said it was like, something with Sebastian the Crab. Because <laughs> didn't Sebastian the Crab seen a cover of that at, at one point? I'm sure he did for an ice capade or something. Right. So, I, I would have been way off. Uh, all right. Very neat. So... Uh, again, check out the website at, at SequelCast.com and uh, donate to us through the website via PayPal if you like. Uh, Twitter, I'm at SequelCast. I'm at Internet Mayor. I'm not on Twitter. So until next time, uh, this is Matt. This is Thrasher. And Jersey Jason. Saying, okay, everyone, take turns doing their best uh, Marlon Brando as the Godfather impersonation. Ooh. Say I'm going to make you an offer I can't refuse. So, uh, Jason, you go, then Thrasher, then me. I'm going to get my mouth in the right hand. I'm giving it now. That's great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. Hold on. I'm going to give him an offer he can't refuse. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> Does that sound like David Brenner? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Actually, you know what, though? You know who does a great Brando? And you know what yours, you know what yours sounded like? Yours sounded like Peter Serafinowicz doing oh, great. Oh, interesting. The voice of Darth Maul himself. Uh, stage! It's all covered with poop! Uh, yeah, that was... Oh, God. Peter Serafinowicz. Look that up. You know, Mark Hamill tweeted himself with a picture of Peter Serafinowicz cool. just uh, last night before this casting announcement. I wonder if Peter... Oh, I bet you Peter Serafinowicz is going to do some voice work for this. You think they're going to fucking bring Darth Maul back? That's my greatest fear, is that it's going to be <laughs> Darth Vader, Darth Maul, the Emperor, returned from the fucking Force grave. No, but to, like, no, fuck up the Skywalkers. <laughs> but I really wish, I really, really, really wish there were no Sith in this next movie. We, come on, we all know it's going to be the Oozong Bong. No, they already said, we're not going to get in the canon discussion. That's a whole other bag of worms. But. <laughs> The sequel cast is a Hipster Goblin production. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 